Yo, Chad, what if I told you there's a platform that could completely revolutionize your hiring strategy in a matter of hours? Yeah, I'd call bullshit. Well, it's not bullshit with AI for jobs powered by our friends at This Way Global. Okay, I'm listening. Uh, While everyone else is fishing in the same old talent pools, AI for Jobs can source over 160 million diverse candidate profiles. This Way Global has established unique partnerships with over 8,500 trusted diversity partners. So wait a minute. All of the hard on-the-ground work is already done. That's right, Cowboy. You can discover 300 qualified candidates per job rack instantly. Wow. It's like having a candidate sourcing magic wand. (laughs) Dude, if you had a magic wand, you would have Mexican pizzas all day. Mm. Uh, Stop distracting me, Sowash. AI for Jobs Advanced Matching Algorithm analyzes past applicants using trillions of historical matching events and over 1,600 data points. Now that is what AI should be doing, saving recruiters time on sourcing while they provide a white glove candidate experience. Let's wrap this shit up. I'm hungry. Listen up, kids. Revolutionize your hiring process today by jumping over to thiswayglobal.com and checking out AI for Jobs, where you can learn more about how to leverage AI for your recruiting instead of just writing poems and grocery lists. That is thiswayglobal.com. We out. Did the movie have anything to do with it? No, 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 no. no. We were watching the first Footloose. (laughs) (laughs) That is, yeah, that's about as white as you can get. Hide your kids. Lock the doors. You're listening to HR's most dangerous podcast. Chad Sowash and Joel Cheeseman are here to punch the recruiting industry right where it hurts. Complete with breaking news, brash opinion, and loads of snark. Buckle up, boys and girls. It's time for the Chad and Cheese Podcast. What's up, everybody? This is Joel Cheeseman of your favorite podcast, the Chad and Cheese Podcast. Joined as always by my co-host Chad Sowash, and today we are tickled pink to welcome Jackie Clayton, hello, DI strategist at Seekout and podcaster to the show. Jackie, what up? Hey, I am so glad to be here. Thank you so much. I'm honored. Calling from Waco, home of the new uh, NCAA basketball champions. Is it just one big party there in Waco? Absolutely. Do- Dr. Waco Pepper party. and uh, yeah, party time. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So so for the, are those listeners who don't know you, Jackie, give us the Twitter bio. What did I miss in the intro? Yeah. So a co-host of Inclusive AF podcast. Love that. Trying to change the world one recruiter at a time through diversity and inclusion. That's kind of my shtick. Look at you with the AF being all dangerous. I know. I know. It's naughty. (laughs) (laughs) It's a little naughty. It's so it's a little naughty. (laughs) And it's hard, too. We have to be inclusive. We have to still be inclusive, even even when you don't feel like it. Yeah. 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 So, well, in that being said, DEI seems to be the new AI. Everybody's talking about it. Everybody says yes. they have it. Everybody Everybody's wants it. buying how it. Does it. How does it yeah. feel to be the cool kid in the room? Terrifying. <laughs> um, <laughs> I kind of liked it a little bit when people said, no, that's not important and people aren't going to buy it. No, I mean, on the one hand, it's good. But then on the other hand, it's scary because it's like so many people can do it wrong. 
Yes. Right. Same with recruiting where it's like, and they are. oh, get a recruiter. Right. If you remember, yes. like they're in the 2000s, like 2005, when everybody was opening their own recruiting firm. You're the garage band that's made it. And now all these people want to be Nirvana, <laughs> but they're nowhere near the talent level. Right. So all these that's people right. are getting into the profession and have no idea what the fuck is going on. Absolutely. Yeah, so that's the scary part. So you've, you've been around a lot, uh, Jackie, at meaning the industry, not uh, <laughs> any other way around. Thank you for uh, clarifying. Seek out. What are you doing for them specifically? Uh, talk a little bit about your history, because I think it's relevant for, for a lot of the listeners. Yes. So my background uh, is in recruiting. So it started with talent acquisition and recruiting for a number of years. And but I started writing about diversity in 2008, really, because the way everybody was being trained on how to recruit diverse talent meant they weren't going to find me. Right. So they would say, oh, look at HBCUs. It's like, um, okay, I didn't go to one or look at these sororities or, and I wasn't a member, look at these clubs. And I was like, I'm never going to be on the list (laughs) if you base it on those things. And I'm really, I really want to be a part of it. So I kept researching what the problem was or issues and concerns were. And so it's always been kind of a part of what I do. Um, and I was mostly doing recruiting on the tech side. So you do kind of get a diverse, non-diverse background. You notice those kind of gaps. And so started with that. And so now really doing it on a full-time basis because I used to analyze tech as well. And as I was analyzing technology, really was noticing the gaps or how is this going to work as we went into AI? How is that going to affect diversity and inclusion? So now, primarily, I work with our clients that are trying to build out diversity strategies and and letting them know, you know, how they can do it, what they need to do, if it's possible. And then, of course, I work for a startup. So I do all the other things, too. So is that more of a consulting basis? Because I think if, uh, when I thought of this, I thought, well, okay, she could help make the tech better. She could make hiring at Seekout better and more inclusive. Yeah. And a Those third thing things. you mentioned was you can consult with clients. Yes. to help make their recruiting. Is, is it all those three or did or am I yes. overstepping in terms yeah. of your role there? Okay. All those three. Because one of the things, and this kind of goes with the fear, is like they have all these tools that talk about diversity and inclusion, but really they're talking about gender and ethnicity, right? Mm-hmm. And leaving out all of these different groups. And it became very clear that if that's all we're going to do, that's as far as organizations will go. And so you have to open that up so that people understand what it means and have access to or different ways of finding those people so you can start bringing them into the fold because it's a distraction for people who are trying to find top talent if it's more difficult and so if we can make make it easier to find diverse talent then we can incorporate more diverse talent sure yeah but jackie i'm just not convinced that corporate america really wants to be diverse I mean, such a cynic. Do they really want to be equitable? I mean, seriously, we put Whitey on the moon in 1969, but we can't figure this shit out. So for me, you take a look at the DEI training segment, right? It's like a $9 billion industry. it's, It's fucking enormous, but we don't see outcomes coming from that, from the hiring, retention, promotion, any of that stuff. So, I mean, I don't personally believe corporate America wants to be diverse. So that seems like an uphill battle for you, even though it's the cool thing. It's the cool thing. I don't believe that's what they want. Do you? 
No, they don't. And and the reason that I say that is because we're able to find the talent so quickly. So what's the problem? Yeah. So I don't understand why there's still an issue. And that's what we started looking into. Well, I started looking into years ago of what's going into it. And that's what's so interesting, I think, about like when we talk about the podcast with Inclusive AF, like we look at some of these issues, like what's really the barrier? Right. And I think that diversity and inclusion, all the people that are participating in it, one of the challenges is you get this nice to have a dream from your C-level executives, right? Right. But they didn't even talk to talent acquisition (laughs) at all to see if it's possible. Because they never do. For example, there's a place that is not nowhere near Texas, but their CEO said they were going to increase by 30% of people of color, but they only have 5% in this city, 5% people of color. Yeah. So how are you going to do that? Where are these people coming from and what are you going to do? I mean, even more, we've already seen the gap when human resources went from nurturing personnel to protecting organizations and taking the human out, but they take the human out in diversity and inclusion because it becomes like they look at these like people as as items, you know, as widgets instead uh-huh. of understanding what goes into it. So I think people want to, but they just don't understand what it takes. It's like, you know, what to expect when you're ex- ex- expecting. Yeah. Remember, like yeah. we all have yeah. kids. Right. And then you read the book and you're like, oh, is that so going to happen? You're like, yeah, there's no conspiracy here to say, oh, you know what? We're going to tell everyone we're going to up it by 30 percent and hope that no one checks us on that. You you think it's more like they just don't know. They, they, don't say, know. they say what they think is the right thing, but they don't mm-hmm. really think about logistically. How are we going to do this? That's right. Which means they're not serious. Because they don't, they'll say that they want to have diverse talent, but what they don't say is we need to evenly distribute the power around our organization. Right. Right. Or they'll say, oh, we're diverse because we have 50% female. But if you look at what they pay out in salaries, I bet you that's not 50%. Oh, no. Male, females. Right. Such a cynic. So, so, well, (laughs) it's hard not to be a cynic because these companies aren't transparent. They don't actually show their workforce composition, number one, right? They don't show their, their pay equity. Uh, They don't show any of that stuff. And they could do it in large groups. They don't have to do it in a a person by person, you know, basis. They're not being transparent with the market itself. And that's, it should be step one. That absolutely has to be step one. And and I should say, I should back up and say, I think that people want it, but they don't want everything else that comes along with it. It's one of those, we have to slow down in order to speed up. What comes with it though? You have to, you have to admit your shortcomings, your failures, you know, you implemented maybe a company culture that wasn't the best, oh, yeah. you know, and it takes away, especially understanding that you're going to bring in conflict at the very beginning, because people don't think the way you do. Oh yeah. So Jackie, we we brought we brought Cindy Gallup on the podcast, and I don't know if you've heard that episode or not, yeah. but she's she's very adamant of saying that the only solution, uh, ultimately, you know, the white C suite is not really going to change what they are and as a corporation. The only way to change this is to empower diverse folks to create their own businesses and build their own companies. That's the only way they're going to do this. Do you agree with that? Or are there other no. 
Like, is it market forces? Does government need to get involved? Does does journalism need to do its job? Like, what is the solution if, if what you're saying is sort of like people pay lip service, but nothing's really happening? Well, I think a lot of it has to do with really getting real with what's going on in the organization, because I think what you have to do is get rid of the people that are getting in the way of diversity and inclusion. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, get rid of those people and then replace it with diverse talent. But that, I mean, that sounds good. But if, if you have a, a profitable company that shareholders love and I mean, employees are happy, it's hard to justify getting rid of them, isn't it? But they're going to, people are falling out of love with those companies. Okay. So market I mean, forces is what you're saying. Look at Georgia, right? And Delta. Do, and do we have to? We have to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because it's the most recent example, right? Oh, yeah. Coke in Atlanta, you know, is a part of the whole culture. And they're like, fuck that. We're not doing it. Right. Yeah. Major League Baseball. It's America's team. They're like, we're not going to Georgia. I love that shit. Love it. I'm not saying all of that is great, but I mean, that's what it takes because people fall out of love. And then in result, what you're seeing is people fall in love with those organizations and start supporting those organizations that they didn't before. Um, I think you guys know that I'm a, a NASCAR fan, right? Yeah. Yep. And as we were as we're going through the years, it was always uncomfortable. I love going to the races and loved it just because I am able to live a life of privilege that I didn't have to go in the stands, right? I was mm-hmm. always like in the infield and I didn't get exposed to a lot of stuff, but I knew it was there, right? It's the whole culture. As soon as they stopped having rebel flags, it became a nicer place for me to attend. <laughs> I bet. Yeah. Jesus. Because that's terrifying, right? That was terrifying for me. On the flip side, I understand for other people that was terrifying because I think they were just scared of what's going to happen. But now you look at people, what would have happened if that would have happened 10 years ago? Michael Jordan is a major investor in a in a car. Now Bubba Wallace is driving number 23 based on Michael Jordan putting his own funds and yeah. black people of wealth putting their own money into a sport that has never seen it. Yeah. I mean, Michael Jordan's been rich for a long time. Yeah. There's a reason why he's decided to invest and other p- people have started to invest into those things. So I understand what you're saying on the one side. Oh, they're profitable. Why would they have to change? But I think that they're missing the entire market. And as we know, as this progresses, this is going to be the majority market. And people don't forget that easily. Well, and how much more profitable could they be? Take a look at Nike, right? For taking yes. a stand. And they're, I mean, their freaking stock shot up after right. cap, right? So it's like, yes, you are quote unquote profitable, but instead of trying to be all things to everybody and not having a stand on anything, you could right. prospectively be losing Big time, and I think those are those are really good, really good uh, examples. I, I I hate to see this so blatantly happening in Georgia, and I hate that yes. you know all the people that it's going to actually impact. I hope it does move them, even though they're making it harder, move them to the polls to get these assholes out of power. Because I think personally, the only way that we can make this thing move, and I saw it, Jackie, and in, in, I think is like. 2008 when the government shot down America's job bank and yes. there was a change and the Vevra was was something that everybody had to focus on so veterans and then 503 individuals with disabilities everybody was like oh holy shit we have benchmarks we have to reach they're not quote unquote these are things that we have to focus on and numbers that we have to start to try to demonstrate that we're trying to get to 
Personally, market forces is total bullshit. If you don't have somebody with guardrails there forcing something to happen, they're going to do what they do. Listen, I tell you, veterans, you brought up veterans. So I was talking to an organization that hires a lot of veterans, right? And so when we were talking about diversity and inclusion and they said, we don't need to focus on women and people of color. We just need to focus on veterans. And I'm like, okay, let me educate you, right? (laughs) It's commercial time. You already know that Sovereign makes the world's best resume CV parser. But did you know that Sovereign also makes the world's best AI matching engine? Only Sovereign's AI matching engine goes beyond the buzzwords. With Sovereign, you control how the engine thinks. With every match, the Sovereign engine tells you what matched and exactly how each matching document was scored. And if you don't agree with the way it scored the matches, you can simply move some sliders to tell it to score the matches your way. No other engine on earth gives you that combination of insight and control. With Sovereign, matching isn't some frustrating black box, trust us, it's magic, one-shot deal like all the others. No. With Sovereign, matching is completely understandable, completely controllable, and actually kind of fun. Sovereign. Software so human, you'll want to take it to dinner. Okay, listener, how can you help your employees become more productive? I have answers. How about automating manual and repetitive tasks, giving meaning to data, then allowing that data to actually drive decisions? And how about matching people to your jobs quicker? Well, wait, the Chad and Cheese has a new LLM? No, Cheeseman. I'm talking about text kernel. Ah, okay. That makes more sense. What I'm hearing is the groundbreaking concept of, wait for it, Yeah. simplicity. <laughs> seriously, though, seriously. Text kernel cuts through the complexities like a tortilla chip through some hot nacho cheese. Oh, my God. Really? Nacho references already. Anyways... TextKernel brings efficiency and productivity to your operations. TextKernel seamlessly unifies your tools and data to drive efficiencies and success. TextKernel is creating new opportunities for your recruitment journey, kind of like adding guac to my barbacoa burrito. Oh my God. How about extracting meaningful insights from data. I mean, that that's something. Swiftly matching yeah. people with jobs, automating repetitive tasks. Who knew such advanced concepts were even possible in the land of human resources? Uh, we did, Chad. We did. Dude, wrap it up. I'm a little hungry. Imagine that. Uh, okay, listener, get ready to use today's tech to drive efficiencies and productivity. Visit textkernel.com. That's T-E-X-T-K-E-R-N-E-L.com. Nachos. (laughs) It's showtime. In general, people who are joining the military has fallen 25%. Women, it's gone up 40%. People of color has gone up 15%. You better figure out how to talk to women and people of color or you're not going to have the veterans that you want to talk to. Like they'll remember that conversation. People remember that if you don't know how to relate and bring people in, you're going to have a hard problem, right? So you have to look at all of these things and how it impacts the future and where the future is going. Right. For the record, you know, you've really fucked up when Delta airlines is like, Hey, 
You need to treat people with respect. <laughs> exactly. Right? Yeah. They freaking yeah. drag people off planes. Weren't they? Wasn't that? No, that was that was United. Jackie, yeah. one of the things I think uh, has been curious at best for me in the last six months or so is is sort of the anti Asian sentiment, and I feel like there are so many groups that either sort of go through these periods where they have challenges. Um, what are your thoughts on that? And what are some what are some individuals or groups of folks that we forget about? I mean, you mentioned disability um, yep. in one of your articles. I feel like ageism is becoming more of a thing now. What's your take on all that? No, I, I agree with that. I feel like if you look, you know, we're always looking for an enemy. I think people look at different people as it being more acceptable if you look at how people treat each other yeah it's like they pick the the group that is unable to defend themselves or is unaware of these things happening first to pick on there's like bullies we have a bullying problem in in our our country sure and i think there are people with disabilities that go to work every day that aren't getting their needs fully met by an organization that try so hard, right, that are working very hard to be successful that we ignore. And again, so another example in recruiting, we talk about behavioral interviews, right? Yeah. Um, Talk to people. Tell me about a time when dot, dot, dot. Every recruiter is taught that. That's the best way of doing things. However, if a person has is neurodiverse or has learned differently than mm-hmm. someone else. They might not remember a time that they did that, or they're not sure if that's what you mean can take longer. Their interviewer will say, Oh, they didn't have a time or they didn't answer the question correctly. Like right. we're, we, we're, we're not thinking about how, what the impact is. I think that it's really important that we look at people with disabilities, but you don't see it on people's list. And there's organizations, colleges, fraternities, again, that support, cater, and and assist people with disabilities, that it makes it easier to find these candidates um, so that we can bring into the fold to make sure that not only are we being fair and equitable, but that our products are made to be equitable and usable by people with these um, in these situations. And that's what people don't realize. Again, like if I know that you're doing something for me, it gets rewarded by dollars. Right. But don't don't most companies look at tech as a way to solve a problem that tech didn't create in the first place. So they're, they're looking for this silver bullet, this easy button to hit once. We're going to integrate it and it's going to take care of everything. And they don't. <laughs> And, and, and they don't realize that tech is definitely, you know, a, a force multiplier, no question. It helps you scale. It helps you do a lot of things much faster, much more efficient, et cetera, et cetera. But it's not just a silver bullet fix everything. And it's not something that you just plug in and walk away from. Isn't our industry just so bad at tech? <laughs> it's, we're just short-sighted. We've given everyone the ability to create a product, right? <laughs> Everybody can create a product. How dare it, doesn't, we? it doesn't take very much. Yeah. And so we get these small wins and stop, you know, yeah. like you're saying, and now I'm making my money and I'm going home. I'm going to take my ball and I'm going home. And so I don't think kind of uh, what we were alluding to earlier, I don't think it takes like government intervention or any of that intervention. I think it's really people making that connection again, uh, connecting with people. And, and I don't know how to do that, but 
to your point, tech didn't create these problems or a lack of technology didn't create this problem. Right. For those that don't know, diversity recruiting 15 years ago used to be uh, we put a banner ad on BET's website. So we're diverse. We're recruiting for diverse candidates. That's right. Have we evolved from that or do you feel like we're still in that mentality and the tech really isn't hasn't caught up much more than that? Are we really making strides with the algorithms and the technology to be a more unbiased recruiting process? A little bit. And just to be fair, my solution is to fire the people and then you can use the tech to find the people that you need to replace them with. (laughs) To be clear. Robots are coming. Robots are coming. (laughs) It's finding the the people is easy. I think the issue still remains that you're asking non-diverse people to solve a problem to people that are diverse. So Mm. case in point, me and my daughter are watching one of those like free movies, but you have to watch commercials, mm. you know? Yep. And every commercial had black people in it. Every one for mm-hmm. the two hours that was shown to us. And my daughter reminded me, she was like, it's the cookies. Like it's because you buy, you know, black girl what? magic candles. Was Did the movie have anything to do with it? No, 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 no. Okay. no. We were watching the first Footloose. <laughs> <laughs> to do <laughs> that is yeah that's about as wide as you can get yes, yes. yes. I mean, every streaming thing i had to use this app because nobody else was having it. so what was funny though here's what was funny so we're looking at it we're like oh that's nice but then there were things and my daughter looked at me and she was like black people wouldn't do that like we're watching the commercial of the family you yeah. know and grandpa and the baby and the beach and whatever she's like that doesn't even look that doesn't even look right like we're looking at these families. Somebody took made the decision to increase their diversity in their ads, but it didn't feel genuine. Uh-huh. Like it's the equivalent of stock photos on a website. Correct. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> you got an old person, a black person, an Asian man. Right. Like we're checking. We're checking off all the boxes. Yeah, grandpa's back didn't hurt throwing the kid. Grandma, you know, <laughs> wasn't in her special chair. She's running with the kids in the front yard. That's just not. That, which goes into ages. I'm like, that's those things. We're not getting real yet. And right so now. those decisions are made by non-diverse populations. I think we're getting closer, like we're getting to the match, but people are forgetting what the lesson is. I think one of my favorite things that I hear is people say, well, you should post jobs um, on sites that attract black candidates. Like you were saying, a banner ad on BET or something like that. And I said, why don't you post it? Why don't you post it on LinkedIn? Like everybody's on LinkedIn. Uh-huh. Yeah. The other ones aren't exclusive. Why aren't you putting it on Indeed? Like, why aren't you putting it on the places where people go to look for jobs? Yeah. Like you can't, we're, the whole point is inclusionary. Quit othering me and bring everyone together. Because by what? othering is causing a greater divide. Mm-hmm. I remember back in the day, people would target certain, like key phrases on Google around like black jobs. Like, right? They're not searching black jobs. I don't go on <laughs> black like, jobs. I'm not searching white jobs yeah. or male jobs. <laughs> like, it right. seems so stupid. Jobs for whitey. Yeah. <laughs> I was about to say something not great. You should have. That would have been fun. I'm not, I'm not saying it. <laughs> we need the ratings, Jackie. <laughs> I'm not doing it. Not doing it. <laughs> but I mean, the thing is like, it's like, quit asking people who aren't a part. That's what's the funniest part is that right. 
people think that it's easy. So there's a bunch of still the white boardroom having a, what can we do for black people and, and making these choices and decisions, but not actually meeting, learning about the people. One of your um, big recruiting diversity, kind of like wrong things to do is just focus on the entry level piece, right? Yes. Instead of doing that, why aren't we focusing on leadership and being able to, uh, there are only six, well, go, 8%. I'm sorry. I think it's 8% of Fortune 500 company CEOs are female. Okay. So that shows you that we have an issue with when we've got a 50-50% composition from male to female, just overall populace-wise. And you can't tell me that we can't find some black females, for God's sakes, to be able to take up some 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 additional roles. So I, it just seems to me, again, that corporate America is not going to get there on their own. No, this this has got to be something that is forced from somewhere. It's deep. The system is deep. The problem. There's a book, and it's not an easy book. I'm not saying. I'm not going to give you my personal opinion. I will tell you, I read it. I read and I recommend this book. That excludes our listeners. Go ahead. <laughs> it's called Mediocre, The Dangerous Legacy of White Male America. By it's Joel Cheeseman. Don't. <laughs> by Joel Cheeseman. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Forward by Joel Cheeseman. <laughs> <laughs> but what it does is that the problem is, okay, so let's back up. The thing that's really interesting, and this is came out of learning more about diversity and inclusion, is uh-huh. that when you are non-white, you are identified with your own culture, with your black culture, with your uh, Latinx, Hispanic culture, you know, all right. of these different cultures. When the groups came to the United States, they had to turn their back on their culture and were told, this is what you deserve just for being here, right? Like we're talking about privilege. So we're still doing that. Generation after generation of, of white men in particular feel like they deserve power just for doing that, even though the reason the book is called Mediocre is because we know that from an education standpoint, it's kind of slipped, like the numbers have, have slipped. And we have more educated women and people of color than we do white males. And yet they're still re- getting into those. This, it's this whole new phenomenon of the new white male identity that's free from racism and sexism has to occur. Um, And so I think it's hard, right? When you're benefiting, why would you want to change? And so the thing that we've said in the past was that, you know, equal treatment and equity looks like oppression to people who have felt um, this boost of, of power and ability that they didn't earn. So that's where the issue is. It's, 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 okay, you didn't deserve this. You didn't really work your way. Why don't you just step back and give it to somebody who deserves it? But people feel like they deserve it. Well, it, it's it's the same. It feels like the same conversation when you're talking about Black Lives Matter and a white person says, well, I think all lives matter. It's like, that's not what we were talking about, asshole. Right? <laughs> right. I, I mean, that's what it's like. Wait a minute. Me, me. Talk about me. You're not talking about me. Why aren't you talking about me? It's like, look, we always talk about you. Okay. Right. What we're not talking about is the black people who actually matter over here as well. That's what you're missing is that these people matter in the conversation. We're just trying to focus on their lives and how they matter. And we're not going to talk about you for a minute. And I think that, you know, we, we are so self absorbed because that is what we've been used to in this country for, for, yeah. for centuries. 
And that is what's been bred into uh, really th- the culture of America, which is why we have so many angry white males right now. Well, and because that's what they so that became the culture. They already went, uh, you know, you can do the 23 and me and it says, oh, you know, I'm German and this and that. But they reject that culture and say, I'm American. So this is mine. Right. And that's why I, I mentioned earlier what they say is that they want diverse talent. What they don't say is that we want an even distribution of wealth and power in our organization. And we could do that. Right. But yeah. then again, you're asking somebody to take a step back and make it more fair, which means giving something that they feel like they either deserve or they just want because who doesn't want that? So it's a little bit trickier than that, you know. And so we have to start at the the top, but that's difficult, too. You have some organizations that have been around for 100 years, family run organizations. They've been working at this company. Believe it or not, there's still places where people have worked for 20 years and their next step is should be. Um, in the C-suite and they're getting told no. So how do you deal with that? Yeah. And so (laughs) it is, but we have to get, we don't have the same level playing field or the same baseline where people understand why we're doing this, what it should be the outcome and work towards those goals. And so as a result, we're seeing people doing it half-assed and they have a straight line from the front door straight to the back door. Mm. Jackie, I want to kind of circle back to one of my previous questions because I think I think it cuts to the heart of what a lot of our listeners want to know from from your perspective. And I, I don't know, Chad likes to say, you know, DEI is the new AI. Like if if we were going to HR tech, you know, this year or last year, AI yeah. would have been replaced with diversity and inclusion and, and products that we that we provide. Can AI be the panacea that everyone is is touting to create an unbiased recruiting situation and an, an, an unbiased hiring strategies for companies? Or is it a facade? I think it can. This is what's so laughable. I think because we have already have evidence that AI is less biased. But you also have Amazon, which canceled it, canceled their AI because well, it wasn't. Well, they didn't use the, they didn't ask the right questions. They didn't There's use no, Seek Out. <laughs> they, they didn't use Seek Out. They, they didn't use Seek Out at the time. Um, but the thing is, it's like, what's funny is that we are trusting the people that we just said were wrong to tell us that it's wrong, that we just proved don't can't do it. Right. And then they say, oh, it doesn't work. And that's the funniest part. It's just, it's ridiculous. I don't know if it's going to be a full panacea, but it is part of the solution because we can also tweak algorithms to make sure that there is not as much bias, but you have to stay on top of it. It's like anything. It's like, it's like Vegas, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Can you make a lot of money? Yeah. Can you lose? Yeah. But are people cheating? Yeah. And you have to look at it all the time and they're finding new ways to go against it. I think the hurdle is saying we're just going to let the AI make our hiring decisions. Yeah, don't do that. At at whatever point you say, okay, this is going to be handed off to a human being, that bias is going to be part of the the, uh, decision. Am I right about that or no? No, but I think, I don't think you're fully right, but I think what we can do is, I think most of this has to do with awareness. And I think because so much of this is unconscious, we have to bring it into the light. An awareness that we're all biased. That's the awareness. We're, number one, that we're all biased. Yes. Number two, that this is how your bias shows itself in your process. Meaning there were 
30 women that were in the candidate pool, you didn't select anybody to go through the interview process. Or you saw these people in this department and, and you can actually trace that stuff and see where the gaps are. And so, and then you go to the person and say, this is an area that I think that you can work on because you probably didn't know that that was occurring. Yeah. And they either say, yeah, I want to work on it or they say no. And then, then, okay, then you have to leave. Right. So we, they, we need 12 steps. Hi, my name is Joel and I'm a biased recruiter. That's what we need. Hi, Joel. <laughs> <laughs> they don't know because they don't want to know for the most part. That's right. Right. But everybody knows if you go to a company right now and you tell, gave them the uh, the theory of we're going to fire 30 percent of the racist, sexist, misogynist people at this company, <laughs> make a list. They all could. Yeah. They all could. Uh, right only thirty percent. Only thirty percent, right? We're gonna we're gonna save it would the take top seventy percent, right? Fifteen minutes or less. <laughs> I guarantee you would have your thirty percent on a piece of paper. Oh, that's gonna be the that's gonna be the new exercise, people. That's what we want to do. That's the, <laughs> the that's new the, boxing of America. That's, Someone that's needs it. an intervention. That's it, and and that's what we're gonna that's what we're gonna end on, Jackie. Thanks, Jackie. We appreciate you Aww. coming on the show, taking the time, being inclusive as fuck. And uh, <laughs> we, we definitely we definitely want to have you come back. If, if people want to connect with you or they want to find out more about what you're doing at Seek Out, where would you send them? In the easiest place, even my sister and brother contact me on Twitter. It's at Jackie Clayton. I spell it J-A-C-K-Y-E-C-L-A-Y-T-O-N. And I, I'm on Twitter most of the time. So you can find me there, but it's all of my usernames are at Jackie Clayton. So I'm easy to find. Too easy. We'll love it. <laughs> Thanks guys. Hi, I appreciate I'm Joel. You. I'm a biased recruiter. We <laughs> out. Hi, Joel. <laughs> Thank you for listening to podcasts with Chad and Cheese. Brilliant. They talk about recruiting. They talk about technology, but most of all, they talk about nothing. Anywho, be sure to subscribe today on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. We out. How much do you understand the future of finance? I'm Jim Roos, a top 10 banking influencer and host of the podcast Banking Transform, where we dive deeply into the rapidly evolving world of banking and financial technology. Join me as I interview industry experts, thought leaders, and innovators as they unravel the latest banking trends, disruptions, and game-changing technologies reshaping the world of finance. Redefine your understanding of the banking ecosystem. Subscribe now to Banking Transformed, available wherever you get your podcasts and now available on YouTube.